Welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Podcast. We're a real community of people who are passionate about pursuing God and growing in our relationship with Him. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information and other resources, please visit northridge.org.au. Hello. Hi. Uh, it's really good to be back. If you're like, who is this guy? Um, I've been coming for three weeks. Thank you, Jen. I've been coming for three weeks and haven't seen this guy. My name's Chris. Um, together with uh, my beautiful wife, Jen, we pastored, had the absolute honor of being the pastors of this community here, um, which we love. Um, we've been in Cambodia for the last three weeks. We were part of the um, helping lead the Northridge team that was over there, and then we had a little holiday on the end. So thank you for releasing us for three weeks to go and um, gallivant around Cambodia. Good to be back. So very good. Um, we walked in um, about four o'clock and um, Maddie was just kind of strumming away and the guys were playing and I was just like, oh, it's so good to be home. It's just, it kind of, like, don't get me, like we went to, to church in Cambodia um, and it was, it was stacks of fun. So we went to this like giant Pentecostal church they have in Phnom Penh. It's the largest Christian church in Cambodia and they've got like a thousand seat auditorium. It was packed out. Um, but there were like lights and smoke and like the drummer had a double kick and it was like, Rah! and it was so much fun. And they had the words in Khmer and in English. So you're all singing together and it was this incredible experience. But, um, and I loved it to bits, but coming back here, it was just like, oh, I love our church so much. I just love it. So thank you worship team for what you guys do. That was just wonderful. Um, that wasn't part of what I was meant to say. But there you go. You got a free story. Uh, so tonight, as Jen mentioned earlier, we are talking about vision, which I'm super, super, super excited about. This is one of my favorite talks to do um, every year. Um, and I'm excited about this because I believe that God is a God of vision. He has a huge vision for humanity. And there's a few different ways to express it. But if you read uh, the start of the book of Colossians, the way that that expresses God's vision for, uh, for humanity and creation is that God's vision is the reconciliation and restoration of all things to God through Christ. Stop and think about that for a second. The reconciliation and restoration of all things. That is the vision that God has for humanity, and that is the vision that God has for his creation. Isn't that incredible? And as a community of people, as part of his church, our call is to share in that vision that God has. And he has given us, Northridge Vineyard Evening Community, he has given us a very small, unique, but very important part of that vision. And he's called us to bring that to our local area, to bring that to our, um, our wider church, um, to bring that to our world. And so tonight's the night we get to talk about that and ask the question, what is that little piece that God is calling us to bring to his vision for humanity? Um, now, that's obviously a, a pretty big uh, topic to bite off when you put it that way. Um, so what I want to do, um, I want to kind of try and make it as simple as possible because there's quite a bit of information. I, I even tested it. No. No. You guys, will have to, um, you guys will have to advance the slides manually. It's all right. It's, this is like a running joke in our community, this thing. Oh, did, hey, you guys fixed it. You're amazing. Can we have a massive round of applause for the tech team? Like, 
They're like the unsung heroes of church. Um, so the way we're going to work tonight is we're going to um, start really big picture and, um, and asking some of the big questions, and then we're going to kind of like work downwards um, towards the detail, and eventually we're going to talk about um, what we're doing this year to take some baby steps towards the big picture vision. Um, but the first question I want to ask you is, what does church look like on its best day? Like, if we are absolutely succeeding, all guns blazing, everything is perfect, achieving all of our hopes and dreams, what does church look like? You could ask that same question another way. You could say, what is our measure of success for church? How do we know if we're getting it right and doing all the bits? Now, a couple of years ago, we sat down with the church leadership um, and we asked that very question um, of what is it, like what is our measure of success, what does it look like if we're doing this well? And the result of that process, which took several weeks, the result of that process was that we came up with these things called values. And our values, are, it, it, sometimes that sounds like a bit of a buzzword, but our values are basically the things that we hold really, really dear to our hearts and the things that we care about deeply. And we have four values. Uh, the first of these values is... The first of these values is encountering God. If we did everything perfectly, if we had great services, um, we had lots of life groups, um, we were doing ministry out in the world, and God was not a part of it, we would no longer be a church. This is the absolutely core foundational value of everything we do. It all starts with God himself. And if you take God out of the picture, we are literally wasting our time. Um, we encounter God as we worship together. We encounter God as we dig deep into the scriptures together. And we encounter God in prayer um, and in so many other ways. But that's where it all starts. And it starts when we encounter the presence of the living God. So that's number one. Now what happens is when you get a whole bunch of people together and we encounter God together, he turns us from just being a bunch of people into being a community now, right at the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, after God's created the first human, Adam, he says this really profound thing. And in, in context, he's specifically talking about creating male and female. But I don't think that's all that he means. Because what God says is he looks at Adam and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. I really believe that all of us are called to live in community. We're called to encounter God together. And we're not meant to hack it alone. And so that's why community is such a strong value. And so much of what we do is about fostering um, a stronger sense of community. So you encounter God, you do that as a group, and then he starts to turn us into a community. And it's at that point you realize that it doesn't stop once we have a community. It's not this, this Christian journey, this church thing, it's not an in or an out, like, you know, we're all Christians and we're trying to make other people Christians. That's a massive oversimplification of the Christian journey. It starts, this journey of following Jesus, it starts way before you ever encounter Jesus for the first time. And it keeps going until you meet Jesus face to face. It's not just about being part of the club. It's doing this journey towards Jesus and doing it together. And that's where discipleship comes into play. Um, you know, if we, if we stopped at community, if we encountered God and had community, I, I want to suggest that at that point you could actually build like quite a successful church. Some of you are sounding shocked. 
or looking shocked. You're not sounding shocked, you're silent. But some of you are looking a little bit shocked. But it's true. You could quite happily build a really successful church if all you had was encountering God and community. You um, put on really great worship. You have, um, you know, like really good looking preachers. You have a great podcast. Like you do all of these things and more and more people come and then you get a bigger building and you kind of keep going. And you'd be what many people would call successful. I don't think that's what God would call successful. Because the church is not about having lots of people showing up to an event. When Jesus founded the church in Matthew 28, he said, go. He said to his followers, his disciples, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And that was his founding premise of the church, is the church isn't about having big, flashy gatherings. The church is about every single believer being equipped to do the work of the kingdom for themselves and in community. This is not just about Jen and I, Phil and Kath, and a few select people up the front. Church is about every single one of us learning to walk in our unique kingdom calling so that we can change the world and I'll tell you what, I would much rather have a hundred really, really faithful disciples than a thousand people who just show up on a Sunday. Any day of the week. That wasn't in the notes either. Got ranty. It's fun. Uh, anyway, so we, so, God, so we encounter God. He turns us into a community of people. We start doing this discipleship journey together and going deeper. But it's at that point that we realize that this isn't just about us. If we stop there, we are ignoring the fact that so much of Jesus' ministry was spent loving and caring for the poor and the needy and the brokenhearted. We realize that actually, if we're to be true disciples of Jesus, if we're to follow that great commission that he gave us, then we need to be loving and looking after the cause of the poor. We need to be seeking out people who aren't yet a part of God's kingdom. And this is why we value missions so much. So we have these four things. That's our kind of picture um, of what church looks like on its best day. And if you read through the scriptures, one of the places where you find this kind of rhythm um, of church community and church life is in the early church. Um, you know, what did the church look like right after the Holy Spirit was first poured out? And many, many years ago, um, God put this verse on Jen's heart. And she didn't really know what it was for, but it kind of never went away. And then when we, we first got asked to be the pastors of this community, it kind of suddenly made sense. Um, and so I'm just going to read this passage from Acts 2, 42 to 47. Now, if you've been around for a little while, you've heard us talk about this a lot, and you've probably heard us read this a lot. And I just want to encourage you, if you're like, yeah, 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 Acts 2, yep, whatever, people, community, yep, great. Um, don't do that tonight. I'm going to read this from the message um, just to help us to, to kind of change the language up a little bit. Um, but... I'm just going to go for it. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to life together, to the common meal, and to prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles. And all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful, as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. Now that, 
sounds like the kind of church that I want to be a part of. I don't know about you, but if church was like that, I wouldn't want to leave. That would be incredible. And so this is, for us as a community, this is the, this is the passage that gives us our vision. This is our picture that we work towards. We want, to, we want to discover what church could be like if you take all the other stuff away and just follow Jesus. And you know what? I want to suggest that in the last few years, things have changed considerably. Um, this may, if you've been around for a while, this may shock you to realize that it was actually almost three years ago to the day Jen and I had just been appointed as pastors of this community, and about three years ago to the day, we stood up for the first time and started talking about this Acts 2 vision. And it was three years ago that we first actually set some one- and three-year goals to help us to move towards this vision. And so before we push on, I actually just want to really briefly look back and think about where we've come. So in the last three years, we've had some amazing wins. First of all, we have seen a significant growth in the number of people who show up to church every week. And that's really wonderful. But more than that, I think we've seen a significant growth in the maturity and our sense of community as well, which is really wonderful. Um, one of our three-year goals that we set three years ago was to release a worship album uh, in 2018. Yeah, it's 2019 now. 2018, we did that. We uh, wrote a whole bunch of songs, had an awesome worship night, recorded it, and put out our very own worship album, How Good Is God. Um, three years ago, when we first started out, one of the things that Jen and I were really keen on is that at that point, we were effectively the youth and young adult service, and although that was really wonderful, um, we decided, actually, you know what? We really value having all generations together, and it's so important to have all generations represented in community um, and we, if you look around the room now, you'll see that there's been a significant shift in that. We're far more intergenerational than we used to be, which is awesome. Three years ago, we had two life groups. We now have five, which is really, really awesome. And one of the probably more ambitious goals that we set three years ago is we said, what if we had like a, a, a kingdom ministry training school? What if we had this like school where people could come and be equipped in how to do the work of the kingdom. Well, this year, um, we're actually about to start our first ever pilot of the School of Kingdom Ministry, which is super, super, super exciting. It was kind of one of those goals that I'd almost checked out of. And then um, when Paddy came last year and he told us about the Kingdom Ministry School, I was just like, boom, there it is. So how good is God? And there's lots of other wins if you've been around. Um, you can probably name a few. But the reality is that there's also been some challenges. And there's two really key things that I wanted to raise here. The first one is that when we see significant growth, change is hard, right? Like if you were around three years ago, we were much smaller, things were a little bit more tight-knit. Um, it's, it's a little bit easy to be comfortable in a small community, especially when you already know everyone. But as people come and as we grow and change, that brings its own set of challenges. And so Jen and I really wanted to say thank you to everyone who's stayed on the journey who's been willing to do the, do the hard yards and to do the change. You know, we really, really value um, that so many people have been coming um, to this church for 10, 15, 20 plus years. It's just amazing. I think we're so blessed to have such a faithful group of people that we get to do church life with. So thank you. One of the other challenges is that um, last year particularly, we said goodbye to a whole bunch of uh, really good friends of ours. Not like goodbye forever, like goodbye as in sending them off. Um, we sent a bunch of people to mission last year. We had some other people leave. And you know what? That's the reality of church life. People come and go. 
But we're here, three years on. God has done incredible things. How cool is God? So um, I'm just going to pray really quickly as we're thinking before we, um, we move on. So Lord, we just want to stop. We want to thank you that you have done so many incredible things in our community and through our community. Lord, we just want to give you all of the praise and all of the glory, and we want to say that all of this belongs to you. And Lord, we just ask that when people see our community, they would see it as a testimony of your goodness. Amen. Awesome. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit now, and I want to give us a prophetic word. So, uh, and, and it comes out of the Bible. That uh, a few months ago, when Jen and I went away and we were spending a little bit of time in Gloucester, praying and dreaming about what um, the coming season will look like in our church community. Um, I was reading through Exodus at this point. Jen's reading through Deuteronomy. And God was just speaking to us so powerfully through those books about where he wants to take us as a community. Um, And so I've got this prophetic word um, that I'm going to read out in just a moment. But I think it's really important just to give you the context of how the Israelites got to this point that they're at in Exodus 13. So it starts out, um, they, they start out with just one man, Abraham. God shows up to Abraham, and he, he makes a covenant and says, through you, I'm going to bless all of the nations, and your descendants will be as numerous as the stars. Pretty cool promise. At that point, he's just one guy. And for the first few generations of the Israelite nation, they're not, they're not a nation, they're just a family just going through the generations. And that's the case all the way through the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. Um, There's just this one family, and when we finish up at the end of Genesis, um, it's this family that has 12 kids, and they end up in Egypt. Now, what happens between the the end of Genesis and the start of Exodus is that that family, those 12 kids, they actually grow up in Egypt, and they multiply to the point that they're actually a whole people, not just a family anymore, that they're basically a nation who are in slavery in Egypt. And so where Exodus, the book of Exodus kicks off, is that it's at the point where God's like, okay, you've grown to the point, I'm ready to take you away, to give you a land and call you a nation. And so there's this, um, all this uh, mess with all of these plagues and Pharaoh not letting them go and um, all of this nastiness. But where we pick up in uh, Exodus 13 is at the point where Israel actually get up and leave. And I just want to read you um, these two verses. I wonder if you've ever considered why Israel was in the desert for 40 years, when it turns out that if you were actually just to walk from Egypt to their promised land, it'd only take you 11 days. This passage kind of answers that. So we're starting, so 13, starting from verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. And we sang about what happened at the Red Sea tonight. The Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. Now, at first brush, you might think, oh, well, God just you know, thought that they would get smashed if they went into war, so he took them around the long way, but they still left ready for battle. So that's not exactly what I think this passage is saying. What I think this passage is saying is that God took Israel the long way because he had work to do, work to do on them as a nation. You see, when they left 
Israel, when they left Egypt, if he had have just taken them straight to the promised land, then they wouldn't have had a history of God, they wouldn't have had a national identity, and they wouldn't have 40 years worth of the most incredible history that we find in the Bible. It says just a few verses later, um, after leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. For 40 years, the Israelite nation had the manifest presence of God literally at their doorstep. Isn't that incredible? And if God took them directly to the promised land, they wouldn't have had that. There is so much that God wanted to do in the Israelite people as they did this journey. Now, I want to read this, um, off the back of that, I want to read this word, and this is typically not how we do prophecy at Northridge, so don't imitate. Um, but I really, I really strongly felt like, and I was like, God, really? He was like, yep. I really strongly felt like God wanted me to read this prophetic word in his, like, as him, like in the first person. Now, we typically don't do that, and all the normal caveats apply. Take this away, wait in your heart, Check it up against Scripture. Don't just take my word for it. But with all of that um, out of the way, I'm going to read it. Northridge Vineyard Evening Community. I have given you dreams and visions for your future in my kingdom. I am taking you there, but it is not by the most direct route. In this coming season, you are going to leave your comfort zone and enter a time of trial and refinement. I am taking you deeper and growing you into maturity so that when you reach your promised land, the battle to take it will be easy. But this season will not break you. My presence will be closer than ever before. You will see miracles, signs, and wonders like you have never seen before. I myself will lead you, I will feed you, and I will empower you to do the work of my kingdom. And there will be a day that you see these dreams and visions come to pass, and I will be glorified. Let it be so. Who's in for that? God is good. So, what do we do? What do we do now? Well, we're going to get into some of the practicals now. And there's two things I want to say before we actually really get stuck into this. The first one is that as I talk about our vision, this vision, it is for us, but it's not just for us. This vision is a vision that fits into the greater vision of Northridge as a church and also into Vineyard in Australia as a whole. And we only want to pursue this as far as we honour the people who lead us and the, the movement and the church that we're a part of. So that's really important that you hear that first. Secondly, I'm only going to give you a little taster of what's actually in the bigger vision. If you want to read the whole thing, this Wednesday, or maybe Friday, depending on how fast I get to my email, uh, this Wednesday or Friday, we're actually going to send around a document, which is going to be all pretty in design, that has the whole thing on it. And so if this has captured your heart, I want to encourage you actually read the, the email this week. If you don't get the email yet, then there's a little slider that comes up at the end that's got the URL where you can go and subscribe. Or you can just come and chat to, to me or Jen and we'll set you up. So, those two things out of the way. Let's talk about our three-year vision. The big picture for us where we really want to head, like the kind of central focus in the next three years, is that we want to grow 
as a community in size and also in maturity so that as a result, we can plant a new community, whether that be a Northridge community or a vineyard church, out of this community. Why on earth would we want to do that? Well, the thing is that as, as, the, as a vineyard church and as, as, the, as us, we're not like the people that finally got the gospel right. We're not like God's sole answer to all of the church's problem, problems. Uh, as much as we like to be, but the reality is um, that us and also the vineyard movement is part of a bigger picture of God's church and of God's kingdom. But I strongly believe that the vineyard brings a flavor to the wider church that our nation desperately needs. And in order to bring that flavor properly, we need more vineyard churches. We need more churches who are making disciples that make disciples. We need more churches encountering God in community and doing his mission in the world. And so imagine if in three years' time we succeed at that goal. And then 12 months later, we do it again. And then 12 months later, we do it again. Imagine if we could shape the landscape of the Australian church um, by bringing that beautiful, beautiful vineyard flavor that we need. Wouldn't that be fun? You know, when we were at that church in, um, when we were at that church in Phnom Penh, we actually went for their Vision Sunday, which was really interesting. Um, but they popped, a, they popped a slide up on the screen, and in Kamai, which we sort of like kind of worked out from what was on the screen... They said, this year, our church wants to plant 97 new churches in all of the provinces of Cambodia. We were like, okay. <laughs> we want to do one in the next three years. But you know what? It's, it's possible. Like, it, it might seem like this far-off dream, but when Jen and I were standing here three years ago and talking about some of the things that we've already achieved as a community, we didn't think they were possible. But here we are. So bring it on, God. So that's, the, that's like the three-year big picture. That's what we're working towards. But the, we've got some other goals that um, will help keep us focused. One of those is that every week, every Sunday, we want to see 100 people turning up to church regularly. And we want most of those people, most of that growth, to come from people meeting Jesus for the first time. As I said earlier, we become increasingly multi, multi-generational as a community, well, we, want to, we want to see that keep happening and we want to have all of the generations well represented in this community. And we also, importantly, we, we want to be increasingly multicultural. We live in such a multicultural part of the world. We want to see people, just like we read about in, um, in the book of Revelation, we want to see every tribe, tongue and nation represented in our community. Um, like I've said a few times, you know, we as the vineyard, we're just a part of the puzzle, but we really believe that God is so, so passionate about the whole church. And we want to start making friends with the other churches in our area. Not because we want to have some big, like, combined event. Not because uh, we all want to go to someone else's conference or we want them all to come to our conference. We want to make friends because we believe that we all need to work together in the kingdom. And it all starts with relationship. And then finally, what if this place, we've got this beautiful resource here in this building and our office and our car park, What if we could increasingly turn this place into a community hub where people don't just come on Sundays to meet Jesus, but people can come during the week as well? What I personally think that should look like is a cafe, but that's up to God. 
I also would love to have a co-working space here, but Phil won't let me. No, that's not true. We'll keep discussing. We'll keep discussions. I forgot to look at my notes. So how do we go about achieving some of those things? Well, there's the um, very, very cliche saying that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step, but it's totally true. We've just got to take small steps towards achieving these things, and then hopefully in three years, as more people come, they bring their expertise. As we continue to be discipled and grow together, we can start to see some of these things becoming a reality. So what are we doing this year? First of all, uh, we're going to have three worship nights this year because we believe that's such an important thing to do, just to come together and purely worship God. Amen? Amen. That's right. Everyone's in for that one. We want to continue to see pre-service prayer grow in this community. What, I, I, I love to tell the story. Um, I'm not going to tell all of it now, but um, Charles Spurgeon, the really, really famous preacher, um, he attributed his success to the prayer meetings that they'd have before the prayer meetings where he'd preach the gospel, and he called them his boiler room. I want to see our boiler room be like half the church, just people coming at, at 4.30 and just on, on our knees praying for God to break in. And then thirdly, and this, this, is, this is something we haven't talked about before, but it's something we've done sort of on the side a few times, um, but God has uniquely gifted us um, as a church community with people who can um, lead worship, who can preach, and people who can pray. And several times last year, Jen and I took a few people up to Southern Cross Vineyard in Newcastle, and we got to actually help them put on their service and just give, them, give, give a smaller church a bit of a leg up and a hand. And we want to do that two more times this year. And we want it not to just be me and Jen. So that's that. Community. Um, one of the things that I've said twice now um, is that we really want to have all generations represented in our community. And as it happens, the generation that's missing at the moment is 3 to 12 years old. And so this year, uh, starting from about the middle of the year, we are starting a kids' church in the evening, which that is exactly the correct response. It is super fun, and the loudest yay came from the guys in the corner who are looking after their kids. We're going to start um, a kids' church, and uh, it's going to be great. I can't wait to start volunteering with the kids. Um, Something, something we're aware of is that as we continue to grow, logistics of running a community dinner uh, are becoming more difficult. But we don't want to stop because I really believe that everyone getting together, doing dinner at the end of a service is such a precious thing that we get to do. So we're going to do four of them this year, which is a little bit less, but we're going to work out how to do them in a way that's not quite such a logistical exercise. So we're going to have four community dinners. And finally, something that we really acknowledge as a growth area for us in the evening community, we're really good at saying hi to people when they first come into the door. Generally, um, we're really good at that and making people feel welcome. But something we're still learning is how do, we, um, how do we allow people who come for the first time, how do we help them transition into feeling like Northridge's home? And so one of the things that we want to trial is doing two welcome dinners, which is just for the new people so they can come, hear a bit about the church and how they can integrate better. So that's community. Discipleship. Um, we want to, this year, we want to run 40 new people through, disciple, uh, through prayer ministry training. Now, that sounds like a lot of people because a whole lot of us have already done that training. We really, really value um, prayer ministry in this place. But um, we're really excited to let you know that we're actually teaming up with the Hornsby community to make that happen. And so we, we're, we're going to be providing the training and they're going to be providing the people. So I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been on a Northridge prayer ministry training course before, 
when they come up, there's going to be two this year, when they come up, make sure you sign up and come along. Because even if you've prayed for people for years, just having some of the framework um, that we get from that is just so helpful. Um, another thing that I'm really excited about is that we're actually going to be having our first ever internship starting this year, starting on Wednesday, which is going to be with Peter Sherlock. Mate, can you just wave to everyone? Pete, I'm so pumped to have Pete in the office. Um, we got to spend some quality time in Cambodia together. So he's starting on Wednesday. So it's just going to be absolutely rad having you around, mate. Um, and this is really cool. Uh, we, wanna, we want three people from our community to go through the School of Kingdom ministry. And we already have four people signed up. So we've already nailed one of these out of the park. So you guys who signed up, 10 points to you. Um, what? Points. Okay, yeah, we're not allowed to talk about points from the front in church anymore. Um, and then mission, we've actually got by far the most number of points for mission, which is really exciting to me. Um, so the first one is, this, this one's really cool. Um, we are teaming up with the morning community. We've already got the dates in the diary. It's happen, happening whether people show up or not. But we're teaming up uh, with the morning community to run Alpha. Now, if you've ever done Alpha before, generally you do it in like a living room setting. You get, um, you get you know, a, a few new Christians and a few experienced Christians together. You watch the videos. We're going to do it a little bit more like the way that they do it at HTB, which is the church where it all started. Our goal is to have 50 new or pre-Christians coming to Alpha. Wow. That's a lot. That means that between us and the people who come here in the morning, we need to pray for, invite, and get 50 people to show up here who don't know Jesus yet to hear about Jesus. Does that scare you a little bit? Good. It should. But we want to make that happen. And we've got enough people between the two communities. We really believe that's possible. Um, So, Alpha, it's happening Start praying now. Another thing we want to do is we've just noticed like murmurs that there's a lot of people in this community who have um, a heart for street evangelism but maybe don't necessarily know how to start. Um, So we want to actually run a pilot of doing some street evangelism. Exactly what that looks like, I don't know yet. It scares the absolutely living daylights out of me. But we're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. And we're going to do it well. Um, Thirdly, Jen and I are going to make a really conscious effort to start um, connecting with other pastors in the area. So that's one that Jen and I can do. Um, nice and easy. Um, we want to raise $12,000 in the ping pongathon this year. I think, how much did we raise this year? I think it was, it was like just on 11000 About 11000 So we want to raise $12,000, which goes towards anti-trafficking and anti-slavery. Um, and finally, for next year's Cambodia trip, we want to have five people from the evening community come who've never come before. It's an absolutely life-changing experience, I know, because I've been four times. Um, The final thing we wanted to let you know about before we start praying is we want to tell you about some little structural changes that we're making in terms of um, how we do things around here. Um, The last three years for Jen and I have been an absolute ball. Like We love what we do so much, but particularly for the last... 12 months, we've got to be really honest that we were holding way too much stuff. Our heart is that this place would be able to continue to grow and expand, and we were basically holding too many things um, ourselves and not releasing leadership well enough. So um, starting this year, we're actually going to be forming a new team of people who can help us um, make some changes. And so the way um, 
The way for most of us that that's going to work is it's not really going to change. It just means you're talking to someone else when you're thinking about um, whether you can be on on a particular week. So I want to introduce you to uh, our core ministry team who are going to be looking after uh, life groups, teaching, worship, prayer, hospitality, and kids. Um, so she's, she's not here tonight, but um, Eve Batchelder has kindly agreed to pioneer our kids' stuff. So, yeah. So good. If everyone can just message her later and go, you're amazing, without any explanation, let's just all do that, because um, she's going to need a lot of support in that. It's not easy. Um, hospitality is going to be owned by the absolutely incredible Mandy Anderson. Where are you? Can you just wave? So good. We were in Cambo with Mandy, and she's just such a powerhouse. So um, we're so glad to have you on board, Mandy. Um, prayer is something that we care about deeply. Um, and so I'm really stoked that Adam Smythe has um, agreed to help champion prayer for our community. So hope you don't mind me embarrassing you, mate. Um, Adam, Adam loves being up the front and in the spotlight. <laughs> um, uh, worship is one of the things that we uh, value really, really highly here, and it's, it's a really big part of our culture, um, and there's no one that I'd trust more to look after worship than Mr. Matt McKenzie. Yeah. And um, Jen's going to be looking after life groups, and I'm going to be looking after teaching, which is no change there. Yeah. Cool. Thus endeth the lesson. Um, okay, let's all uh, stand up, because that's what you do at the end of a talk. And also because you've been sitting for a little while. Uh, I'm going to pray, and if you, like, you want to pray this along with me, um, you can put your hands out like this in the, in the vineyard position, or you can put a hand up as well, just, just as a sign of like, yep, I'm praying this too. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to break into some small groups afterwards. Um, But Lord Jesus, we are just so excited to be on this journey with you. Lord, we're so pumped um, to get to do your work for your kingdom. And Lord, um, as as we get excited and as as we think and we dream about the future and we think about this new season that you're calling us into, Lord, we just give all of that back to you and we say that if it's not for your glory, we don't want to do it. Lord, I just want to ask that um, you would begin to release new disciples right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for people who have just been coming and sitting at church, Lord, would you begin to release new disciples? And Lord, would you release new disciplers? Lord, I want to ask that as we pursue you, God, as as we seek to encounter you, Lord, we want to ask that your presence would be so much thicker and so much more obvious that your manifest presence would be here every time we gather together and even as we leave and go on with our week, Lord. Lord, I want to ask that you would deepen our relationships, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would break clicks and you would release us to be friends with everyone, Lord. You would show us what it means to truly be community, to not be exclusive, Lord, but to be a community with fuzzy edges that lets anyone be a part. Lord, I want to ask that people of new Um, cultural backgrounds and races and life experiences and ages would come and be a part of this community, Lord, and that we would represent all of the diversity um, of your kingdom, Lord. 
God, I want to ask that you would release new preachers, new worship leaders, new servers, people who can preach the gospel to their friends. Lord, people who can love deeply, who can think strategically. God, I want to ask that you'd raise up not just the leaders of this church, but you would raise us up to be all leaders in your kingdom, all fighting together, side by side. And Lord, I want to thank you um, for that vision that you have for all of creation and all of humanity, for restoration and reconciliation of all things. And Lord, I ask that you would empower us to dream bigger, to walk more boldly, to love deeper, to be more kind, to help make that vision happen. And in Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. 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 Cool. How good.